0: Okay, so you know how we had this new business idea a few weeks ago? Mm Mm-hmm. So I have unfortunately heard back from Duolingo as well as a few other platforms, and they said they're not interested. How? So we decided to send out our pitch to have hobo hieroglyphics be a new language. And shockingly, um, they did send me back a reply to my hobo hieroglyphics email in standard, I guess we could call it American English. And they actually just literally said no. And I thought at first, like, well, maybe I need to run that through, like, my hieroglyphics reader. Like, I'm right. missing something. But they also just wrote in crayon on the side of a building,
1: N-O, which actually does just still translate as no. That is so bleak and honestly so rude in a world where wingdings still exists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Dolls of Our Lives. This is the podcast where we're reliving the American Girl series book by book. I'm Mary. I'm still Allison. Just Allison, like no
0: hieroglyphics added. Do you have like a hobo name for this episode? You know, I do not, but I have been looking through my glossary because I really thought that we were going to make a lot of jack off of this idea. That's shorthand for money in the code. It does turn out that we're not.
1: I thought we were going to record this in the jungle, aka hobo village, and no. or get a hundred, aka some beans, but
0: that did not take place. No, we are going to have to record this episode of Kit Saves the Day just in like standard American English, like our own accents, our own code. We've learned a lot through like exploring the jungle, as you say with Kit, but. That we, it can't go any further, much like the train that she
1: has to like hide from on the bridge. Damn! Honestly, this book <laughs> made me laugh like uncontrollably several times, and then also led me to a place where I was like watching actual self-described hobos like documenting their trips on trains in 2022 on YouTube.
0: Yes, if you recall, there was a moment, right, where there was a lot of people, like, hopping onto trains, like, traveling on trains, and just to clarify, like, we will not use the words, like, hobo, tramp, and bum interchangeably because they do mean different things, which is something we also get you know an education on from val true
1: val teaches us so much in this book but when i got to that in the peak of the past i did laugh because i remember that's one of the first things you said to me or like one of the first things we discussed was that you understood the difference between those terms
0: Yeah. And so part of what this book is about is like a hobo is a person who travels and works. A tramp travels but does not seek employment and a bum does neither. And the hobo that we meet in this book is like very committed to that.
1: He's extremely committed to that. And uh, it also like put Bruce Springsteen in another perspective for me where I'm like, tramps like us? Like, does he understand that definition? Is he saying he's not working, which is odd because he just announced a tour and he's like touring in his seventies. So he is committed to working and traveling. So he's not a tramp. But it's born to run, not born to work. Like it's not born to like hobo pick to vegetables. Run. <laughs> like he's actually no, but... by those definitions, he's a hobo. Am I wrong?
0: He's a hobo, but I think he wants to make space for rest and leisure, which is why he, like, supports tramps in ways that others aren't willing to.
1: But then, like, like,
0: yeah, go ahead. The running is essential like not the work that you find along the way whereas will the hobo we meet in this book he's internalized a certain ethic that he has to be working to be worthy of existence
1: i'm just like reading his song lyrics and i'm like okay downtown train like is that about the hobo life and he doesn't want to go there it includes like one of the most cringy lines in his songbook of like down, I work at the car wash where every day it feels like it rains. And I'm like, Bruce, no. But <laughs> And he has another song called Jungle in." And I'm like, is he talking about the hobo town? Like, Because by these definitions, he's not a tramp. He's a hobo. I mean, that doesn't roll off the tongue like tramps like us. But I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm like, I'm at sea with this. I don't know what's up.
0: I think that Valerie Trout could write a power ballad. I don't think that Bruce Springsteen could write a Kit Kittredge book.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I I never want to see that attempt, basically. I just, he released an album this week. I tried to listen to it. He covers soul songs and it's just like, I can't engage. It's too embarrassing for me. He tried to cover this song called Don't Play That Song, which is a classic Aretha Franklin song. And and I'm sorry, but what goes through your brain when you're like, huh, Aretha Franklin really nailed this, kind of defined it. I'm going to do it. And it's like, that's never going to go well for you. Like, I don't care who you are.
0: No one has told him no. I mean, I think in much the same way that, you know, like we feel empowered to take on like, you know, in my mind, like gold-plated author Tripp. like sometimes you have
1: to just go for it. That's so true. That's true. Much like the people finally I finished Love is Blind <laughs> who went for it, I've concluded this season. I'm like, Allison, I need to know all of your thoughts now that I can understand it. What did you make of this season?
0: I'm sort of rocked, and, like, this might be dated. Like, who knows what else will come out by the time this episode airs. Like, there have been so many reveals on TikTok and Instagram. So, it's important context for people to know that, like, season one of Love is Blind was a huge success. Like, several of those couples are still happily together. Season two and season three, as they were aired, were filmed almost simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So, we are seeing things that actually happened early in the summer, into the 4th of July of 2021. So these people wow. are now having to like relive breakups that actually occurred much earlier. For example, it's like I get comfortable thinking that Alexa and her husband, Brendan Lemieux, are like the top couple of the show. And then it comes out that he has an assault record. Like, what? Just I didn't when, know that. Like, just when you get comfortable. I'll say this, like, I knew who was going to get married and who wasn't because someone pulled the files at the town clerk and posted them on TikTok. Like, that's the kind of, like, ancestor trouble I'm looking for. Sure. (laughs) Like, those kind of of public records. Um, It's all kind of been a shock. I do think that Nick and Vanessa have gotten overly cute with their role as hosts and they are not
1: asking good questions anymore. I think that Nick should be removed from the reunion and Vanessa should do it solo because I think she has, you need someone with a lot of hosting experience who can get in there and be like, but wait a second. Because there were times where, like, when they, the only people who asked good follow ups, I think, was Vanessa at times being like, But like when Matt and um, Colleen, Colleen casually said, "Oh, we still don't live together, but it's fine," and then laid out a scenario that, frankly, to me, made no sense of like we can't move in together because of our lease, and also like she would be letting down some roommates. But like over a year had passed, as you say. So Vanessa was like, "But the timeline, like a year, a lease is usually a year. <laughs> you know, that year prop presumably is up. Like, how come?" dot, dot, dot. And there was really no clear answer. I'm fascinated.
0: I listened to an interview between
1: Nick Vile and Bartice, who
0: is known on TikTok as barista, and then a separate Nick Vile interview with Nancy. And they are a couple that broke up at the altar, like very like polarizing event, I think for people who watch the show. Um, You also have like, you know, Zanab and Cole, Cole, like, nothing will stop this man from posting on TikTok, like, 20 times a day. He wants you to see his content. I'm, you know, taken aback by the allegations of cheating against SK. I just, like, don't know (gasps) who to believe anymore. Like, he cheated? That's an allegation that is going around. It could be resolved by the time this comes out. We don't actually know. But I kind of like that these people are... Like so trusting of their own instincts that they will get engaged to someone sight unseen, who knows?
1: Yeah, I also, I think if we're going to roll into a season four, that I would like to see actual, like, body positivity in the show or, like, having people who aren't, like, you know, standard good looking sort of people or like like the fitness stuff comes up in ways that are really toxic where they're trying to suss out like who's on the other side of that wall. And I actually think if the show was truly trying to explore how people from different backgrounds and experiences could potentially find love unexpectedly together, like they should actually be trying to deviate from the norm to manifest that or explore that as opposed to like people from central casting every season. And so, I don't know, that would be interesting. I heard a rumor that um, the other show they do, what's that called? You know, where it's like, either you propose to me or we're breaking up. Oh, The Ultimatum? I heard they're doing a queer version of that that's gonna be hosted by the person who played Cheyenne on Reba, which is a giant question mark to <laughs> me. That could just be like, I literally, th- I just told this to someone else and I was like, that might be a dream I had. Like, I it sounds so insane, that can't be true. But I is that true? I don't know, don't quote me, but I'm like, that would be interesting. Like, some kind of other, like, further, like, other lens, like, something. I just, I'm a little bit, or don't film them so back to back, because it kind of is like the, the production learned nothing between two and three.
0: No, I think that they actually just like heightened the drama of certain storylines the way that it was edited, and it kind of just made it seem like more of a caricature. Whereas it really did feel like a social experiment. Season
1: one, I agree with that. I
0: recommend all of it. I recommend all of it. Like once you're done like putting the Kit Kittredge movie on for the hundredth time, like you're gonna need something else to get through the holiday season, and it's like just hundred percent. I do wonder if, like, the cuties people, like, if you know, you know, like, the cuties, you know, yes reps are, like, spiraling. It's hard to say. Like, it's kind of a big moment for them. Like, the way that a person on that show so casually says, like, two cuties is a
1: serving, who knows that? I, w- I was stunned by all of that, but also, like, who would know that that's a serving size? I do think that they should do a campaign that's body positivity focused. It's like, don't let anyone keep you from your cuties. <laughs> yes, like, I know. Like, they could pay and me it- <laughs> in on the side for that idea, but I'm just saying, like, that would be hot. I would love that.
0: Yeah. I think that there's, like, no limit to the amount of cuties you should actually allow yourself to have. I do feel like, you know, that agricultural connection takes us to Kit Saves the Day, which is perhaps the most pleasant of the Saves the Day books that we have encountered thus far. Like, we launch right
1: into this book with Kit Kittredge canning. Yeah hundred percent did i know val was going to come out against the carceral state no no but she did no, that no
0: i i mean i'm ready if you are like i don't know if we're truly prepared to deal with like how many places this book goes like i felt like hit at some point like hanging below a train on a tiny railroad track
1: but i guess i'm ready let's do it let's dive right in Hello everyone, this is Mary here to talk to you about one of my favorite places to buy gifts for myself and others online, Uncommon Goods. If you haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, and let's be real, that season just began, we've got a secret source for incredible original gifts and that's Uncommon Goods. UncommonGoods.com has the absolute best gifts for everyone in your life. We're talking moms, dads, teens, in-laws, besties, your one and only true love, maybe people you just have a crush on, maybe your neighbors who you feel weirdly obligated to give a gift to. I don't really know what your situation is, but I feel like you could figure it all out on UncommonGoods.com. And it's not just stuff you'd find anywhere. Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers. So skip the gifts that scream last minute and find something truly original at UncommonGoods.com. I'm gonna tell you about two of my favorite things on this site, and I've bought one of these things multiple times after I received it as a gift, and that's something called therapy dough. Um, It's basically like Play-Doh for adults that also calms you down. It comes in this very cute container. I'm looking at it right now on my desk, and it's created by Cami and Kip Weeks, and it has essential oils in it for stress relief, so I really love the lavender kind, so you can basically take it out of the container whenever you're stressed out and just be playing with it, if you're perhaps like me on one too many Zoom meetings or whatever is going on in your life. So I highly recommend that. I got that as a gift from my wife and I now give it to a bunch of friends who've all reported back loving it. And I recently, speaking of my wife, just got us a breakfast for two tray created by michael and ania schepler on uncommon goods and it's so adorable it has two little interlocking trays for breakfast i'm a leo so i feel like this gift is leo forward it's kind of decadent it's for being kind to yourself in a small way i love to have i would eat every meal in bed if i could let's just be real so i love to have this when i'm watching my sunday morning with jane polly or whatever i'm getting into but it has space for a drink utensils and a plate for, um, for both of us, and you can carry it together on this tray, and it's just super cute and adorable and make a really, really nice gift. So you can find all kinds of amazing stuff on Uncommon Goods, and I also like that they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice with every purchase, and they've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash Pod. That's uncommongoods.com slash Pod for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Okay, so I'm not
0: gonna give a summary in like the language that I'm now deciding is my third language, which is like the speech patterns that are developed in the jungle, but here we go. Kit is ready for an adventure. Actually, she is ready for anything, as long as it doesn't involve chores, which are all she's been doing lately. When a young hobo named Will stops to work in the Kittredge's kitchen, he tells Kit about life on the road. Kit imagines Will has the life of freedom and adventure she longs for, on the move, seeing the world sleeping under the stars. Kit is determined to learn more about hobo life, but when she does, she gets more than she bargained for. Did she ever... Also just like shout out to the abandoned brand Lord Hobo which I believe doesn't isn't around anymore. But um what did
1: you make of this book overall? I laughed. I thought this book was insane. Like it's it's such a swing to be like, yeah, she's kind of like depressed or down about her lack of adventure and just sort of like You know, we've really seen her on this trajectory where her childhood, in many ways, has come to a pause, if not end. Like, so much of her day-to-day life, like, the book opens with her wanting to play baseball. Like, they get this letter from Charlie. First of all, I guess he's in the CCC now? Charlie is not in a C for college. (laughs) Charlie
0: is part of the Civilian Conservation Corps, and he miraculously has made it all
1: the way out to Glacier in Montana which like again a shock and but they were like wow we really feel his absence and i was like do you because he hasn't really appeared in these books like again he pops in and out at the beginning and the end sometimes but she's basically like wow he's off having this adventure and i'm here and i and he told his friends that she's the best baseball player in Cincinnati which is very cute And she's like, yeah, I really want to play baseball. And the mom's like, okay, but did you like, you know, beat the carpets outside and then you have to help dad clean the gutters and then you're helping us make dinner. And it's like, this is a person whose life is defined increasingly by labor and adult worries and concerns. And it's like, girls just want to have fun, kind of. And who would have thunk in that situation that her gateway to fun and adventure is a hobo?
0: It's a hobo. And between the first book and this book i am really fascinated by the fact that kit gets marketed as a girl of 1934. this is very similar to what val Tripp did with molly's books we are still only in 1933. we right. started in 1932 roosevelt has now become president and he's been president for about six to eight months around the time of this book it's still only like mid to late summer 1933 but her life has completely changed in that calendar year. Yeah. Like we we're told it's about August of 1933. It's
1: not remotely. I mean, it's just it, it is a weird embrace of time or like I wonder why she planned it this way and I don't really have a firm answer on that.
0: I think she wanted us to be able to chart a pre-Roosevelt and a post-Roosevelt mm-hmm. and getting us through a two-year window also is something that she did with Molly. As you say, we open with her complaining about chores, which I think is highly relatable. It's summer, she wants to be having fun with her friends. Also notable, Ruthie's profound absence in this book, right? Like, they've reconciled in all the ways, but Ruthie is probably at camp or doing something fun. And Kit is basically left with Sterling. Like, all of the other people around her are adults, including Aunt Millie, and it's like Kit and Sterling and now the dog, doing errands
1: and chores. Errands and chores. And even there's a telling moment where she's beating the carpet and she's pretending it's a baseball bat after reading the letter from Charlie and like kind of feeling jealous. And Sterling's like, oh, cool. Like, let's go make a newspaper to send to him. And she's like, I've already thought about that and I have to do a million chores. (laughs) But she mentions that he got a job selling newspapers and she's sort of jealous that he can work outside the home. And there's like implied she's not allowed to do that or can't. But also that, like, he is dislocated or, like, the obligations for him to do domestic chores are not the same. That's what I took from that. No,
0: and the fact that Charlie has basically gone away to be a breadwinner for the family, right? The fact that he is going to make, you know, $30 and 25 of that is going to be sent back to the Kittredges. We also get a sense, I think, like I'm projecting and I'm guessing. Like by 1940, Charlie is extremely angry because the best years of his life have been spent making maybe $5 yeah. a month doing backbreaking labor. He doesn't get to keep most of his money. It's fascinating, though, too, because from Kit's perspective, he's leading a life of adventure. And something I really like about this book is Kit has this romantic idea of Charlie's life on the one hand, and when she meets Will and he talks about traveling around the country to work seasonally, she has a very romantic picture of what that would be, and that is dispelled within like 10 pages. And that's something I really like about the writing of Kit. We kind of organically learn with her, and it feels very real.
1: Yeah, and what I also really like about this book, like speaking to it feeling real, is that Val always allows Kit to feel frustrated. And Mm -hmm. there's not like this emphasis on like, you know, it's the climb, to quote Miley, a great scholar. But like, in other words, like she must put a bow on it and find joy in this journey. Like, I think it makes the moments where she does find joy more meaningful, but it also keeps it real around like the, the problems in her life right now, like having seven borders in your house and not at one point my one of my favorite lines of this book is when she's with aunt millie icon queen in the their shared attic room and she wonders if she'll ever be alone ever again because she has no alone time and that's a very resonant point i thought that that was a very human moment
0: well, also the fact that, like, Millie is clearly here to stay. Like, Millie was in the train station back in her birthday month, right, which was May. So by mid to late May, we're thinking Millie, like, maybe coming. She might be going. Um, by this book, it's like Millie is here. Millie is part of this family. Something that I really kind of took notice of. It's such a, a wonderfully small detail, when the family agrees to let will work in exchange for a meal to help them with you know picking everything from the garden and getting towards canning he then is allowed to stay the night and thinking of the way that this family in the past tried to keep up appearances kit basically hands him like a pillow and something to sleep on and he's like yeah i'll sleep anywhere like i'll sleep outside i'll sleep in this part of the house thinking about like gradually over time as more and more people have come to inhabit the house, like how the standard has fallen Mm -hmm. by necessity. Like granted, he has no other social connection and he can't pay, but the Kittredges of 1932 would have never just handed someone something and been like, yeah, you can sleep outside.
1: Right, exactly. And also that moment too where like they, he offers to help them pick food that they're in the process of canning or storing and they come here for lunch and when they come to the porch for lunch Aunt um Millie says that um you know brings out a bowl of hot water and soap and is like oh like basically wash your hands is the implication and he basically like washes his arms all the way up as far as he can and his face and he's so delighted by hot water and I think that that's a really interesting detail too of like Like, is there a surprise on their part? Or do they just expect that that's a necessity that he doesn't have? Or, you know, like, is this something that they've offered people before? Like, is this the first hobo to come to their house?
0: No. So uh, kind of what I took away, because Kit gets into a conversation with Will, aka Texas Will, or just William, that there is a symbol outside of their house that says a kind-hearted woman lives here. And he explains that to her. I very much take that to mean that Millie is probably the kind-hearted woman and that she is probably doing things unbeknownst to the family quite a bit. I took that moment of the washing up as a tremendously, like, powerful moment of grace between a stranger Mm -hmm. and another person Because obviously, like, Kit and her, you know, friend Sterling should wash their hands. Like, you should always wash your hands before a meal. I took that as Millie making a space for him to get clean in a way that wouldn't cause him discomfort. Like, everything she does, she goes out of her way not to single him out or embarrass him. She also waits until they have a better relationship to remark on the fact that he'd probably enjoy a haircut. And I took all of these cues to mean that she is probably the kind-hearted woman. I think mom is still, like, upset about her garden. I think mom is a very kind
1: person, but she is not down the way that Millie is down. I agree with that, because I think something that Millie has tapped into or has an understanding of, probably with more experience, is the The small ways that you can offer someone grace and dignity um, in different situations, and I think the mom is so wrapped up in navigating her own loss of dignity through the things that the family is dealing with that she can't necessarily always anticipate it or offer it to someone else. And I I love that moment where he takes them around front to show the different symbols that people have written on the curb and. What was interesting was I was kind of reading about this system. And at some point, somebody offered in the early 20th century that this was fake, that this hobo language was never real or never used. But you see some interesting examples of it. Um, If you look on even the Wikipedia page for hobo, you'll see the one on Jimmy Carter's mailbox of his childhood home with a cross that symbolized like talk about religion here. And Mm -hmm. my grandmother actually told me when I was younger that um, they used to Offered dinner to you know people who would come in and somebody brought her outside and showed her the markings that people had written on the curb in front of the street in her house in western Massachusetts and she shared this with us as like a challenge where she was like what kind of symbol would somebody write on your curb like do you are you known as someone who can be kind because that made such an impression on her like she was very poor and they offered something I don't know what to people but you know, to her, I was like thinking about her a lot this book because in a similar way to Kid, like even, she didn't understand the full context as a child. To her, it was like a celebrity is coming to my house, like a new person mm-hmm. I can like be curious about is coming to my house. And I think that that's kind of like an interesting I think Val just like depicted that in a really real way, like a smart way.
0: You also have this scene, right? So Kit is, like, doing something boring. She's hot. She's sweaty. She's frustrated. And he appears, right? Like, he is, like, a deus ex machina in this story. He appears. And I just, like, love the simplicity of the line. Like, Kit knew he was a hobo. Like, she has this immediate awareness that he is someone different in the community. And it's not with a cast of judgment, but she just has this sense of, like, a new person is here. How is this going to go? you do wonder, right? Like, I was thinking about Aunt Millie relative to other characters. It would be so easy to make Aunt Millie into a saint and other people into a villain. And what I like about her is that she has moments where she still irritates people. Like, Aunt Millie is having them do a tedious task, and she's quoting Shakespeare. She's kind of a weirdo. And I like that about her because the moments where she just very gently grates on people keep her human. Like, the way that she had interacted with the butcher, the way that she makes this young boy feel good. Even the fact that Kit has this kind of embarrassment of the way she dresses when she comes to the school. It keeps Millie from being an angel who's descended from the sky. Like, she's just a real person who's really, really generous and kind. Is she on the run from the law? Yes. Like, I think it's very <laughs> What's obvious. What's the
1: deal? Is she a tramp? Uh, Is she a hobo? It's called the
0: Volstead Act. Like, Whoa. I t- I think Millie was making some stuff. I think that she's pretty knowledgeable. Millie gives me fried green tomatoes vibes where she's, like, Love sneaking that. out and winning at poker games at night. I see a little bit of, like, Iggy, who's a character from, from that book and movie, I like her a lot, and like obviously, we've joked about other adult characters that Valerie Tripp has written. You know, Tia Dolores, like, that was all in good fun. But these characters who come into people's lives, I love the way that these books give us adults who are role models of different things. Like Charlie is in his own way doing what he thinks is right for the family. Millie is doing what she thinks is right for the family. And like Kit is frustrated with all of them, but also loves them for what they're doing for her.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important too to not have the adults be perfect all the time or to be omniscient and be depicted as people who know everything and the Perfect thing to do, or how to meet every situation. Like, I think the most humanizing thing about Aunt Millie is that when Kit comes to her in the last book and says, "You embarrassed me," and she did, she's genuinely shocked by it. But her reaction to it is to just leave, like not to have a conversation. Right. She tries to leave, and Kit, you know, races to the train station. And they do meet up with her, and they have a really good conversation, but. She's genuinely stunned in that moment. And has no idea that that would be embarrassing for Kit. And I think that that was really good to have a moment of like, Aunt Millie seems to know everything, but she doesn't know everything. And so she gets to like learn a little something here too. And it actually brings them closer. And you kind of see that in this book too, where it's like, they're all like super hot. I can't even imagine how hot it would be in a kitchen in August or whatever month it is. And they're canning and boiling stuff. And here she is like quoting Macbeth and being like boil, boil, toil and trouble. And it's like, okay, not now.
0: No, not now. And like, you know, I am an aunt, so I feel like I can say this, like hanging out with like your kind of weird aunt or great aunt is like not top of most people's list when they're 10 or 12 or 15 years old. Like it's summer. There's other stuff that Kit wants to be doing, but Aunt Millie also supports Kit. Like she supports her wanting to have the dog where this book i think gets really interesting is there's almost always a situation of danger in a saves the day and like valerie tripp like loves to put a 10 year old girl right in the crosshairs kit causes danger like kit creates a she situation. she is the danger
1: you might say
0: she is the danger she decides with sterling who i think is just kind of like going along to get along for lack of other options after will has their short stay with them that she wants to see the jungle the place that he has talked about and so they basically sneak out and kit wants to have this grand adventure and she's confronted with something
1: that she's really not expecting at all yes i thought that was interesting that it's like the danger in this book is entirely self-created like there's no like she just found herself in the wrong place at the wrong time it's like you kind of invented that you didn't give him vegetables to put into the hobo stew, and mainly because she
0: wanted to go down to the jungle. She'd heard stories of people that were not as generous as they could be, and she knew that once Will left, he was going to want to contribute something to a communal pot. So she basically tricked Sterling into coming with her when really she just wants to ride the trains. Um, Like, imagine if a 10-year-old in your life did this today.
1: No. When they were like, oh, we're going to go down to the jungle and give Will some vegetables so he can contribute to the stew. Like, we're so embarrassed we didn't do this. We don't get to hear the conversation with the parents or Aunt Millie. Like, we don't know how she introduced this, but they okayed it. And when you read that part, you're like, wait a second. I don't care what year it is. Like, this girl is 10 years old, 9, 10 years old. We're sending her down to like a shanty town of hobos by the train station So she can have a look around and find this person to give him vegetables and no adult is going with her.
0: Here is something that I loved about that, though. And I really loved that the family does not demonize people who are experiencing homelessness. They don't Mm -hmm. cast them as scary. They don't even regard them as outcasts, right? Like they feel like being generous is important. I think they know that they are a few bad months away from something similar What I really, really uh, was taken aback by in a positive way in this book was Kit creates a scenario in her mind of what she thinks she's going to see, which is, like, cool young guys like Will, like her brother Charlie, living out this kind of, like, pre-Kerouac vision of being free. Like, Mm -hmm. traveling, being free, having all of these great adventures. And she loves Robin Hood. Like, they're doing all these interesting things. And then she sees that it's a lot of children and families who are just, like, hungry and stuck. And... I think that Tripp does an excellent job of this book of making that real and vulnerable, kind of like stepping into the migrant mother photograph without casting these people as other, which is really, really hard.
1: Yes. I think she's able to humanize the scope of the crisis here and the kind of human cost of what these people are experiencing without kind of like looking down on them either like they're she's at ground level looking them in the eye not you know as an angel above all of this and i think including the children and the family picture is heartbreaking but obviously representative of what happened but also like the small details of she sees a man sleeping on the ground and he's tied his shoes to his arms and she's like what's up with that and will is like oh well he does that so no one will steal his shoes while he's sleeping
0: she has this moment where she actually connects with will and then kind of meets this other character who we'll talk about in a moment and she says out loud like the quiet part like this isn't what i thought right like this is not the kind of experience i thought i'd be having um And the line is, Now she understood that most of them were poor, lost people. And that phrasing of them being lost was pretty striking, I think, because Kit has this sense of, like, you know, Charlie got to get on a train and go out to Montana. With Will, she has this vision of him, like, going out west and having this great adventure. And now she sees that a lot of this is just being, like, stuck and eating beans in a railroad depot. Right. And that is what I think, really, that sense of being lost is what triggers her own sense of, like, loss to want to have something exciting happen and why she pushes to hop on the train, which is a very bad idea.
1: (laughs) Hugely bad idea. And Will even says, like, this guy comes in and he's introduced in a way where you're supposed to be, like, this man is sketch, like, I'm side-eyeing him. Because it's described as like Will kind of meets him with apprehension, like he knows him, but though the man describes Will as a friend, it's like you get the sense they're not like really friends. And it's just kind of bizarre to me where I'm like, what's in it for this guy to trick Kit and Sterling into going on a train that goes in the opposite direction of where they think they're going?
0: So I think we get a sense that like, again, they don't want to kind of cluster everybody in like Will is, you know, perfectly behaved. I also think part of it is, like, there is a sense that Kit is being a bit of a voyeur, right? Like, Mm -hmm. she's clearly not part of this community. She's clearly kind of, like, stepping into something. Um, And you get the sense because people comment that she's making a face and they ask her, what's the matter? You can tell that Kit is kind of horrified, right? And so someone is very reasonably going to take offense to that and then kind of want to push her a little bit. Um, We also get a sense that they're making fun of Will, and it's this guy Lex who in particular is making fun of him, making fun of his accent. And Lex says, I bet Will has told you all about me, his old friend, and how I'm the world's best at hopping freights. Like, he's just kind of like a bragging teenager, Mm -hmm. but what Kit doesn't understand that Will does is what they're about to do is really dangerous. Like, physically and, like, they put themselves in legal danger by doing it.
1: Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the reason he's interested or like taking any time to do this is to kind of embarrass them or like set a boundary of like, this is where I live. Like, this isn't a tourist destination. Like, this is my life. And I think kids' face and all that stuff like probably made them a target for this kind of, you know, retribution. So they go full box car children. Who? That scene. Okay, so they're. The train comes and he's like, "Okay, we're gonna hop on." And it's like, "What's this? What's the um, phrase they use for like Sterling almost getting run over by the train?"
0: So they try to explain to Kit that this is illegal. Um, and so will says hopping freights is dangerous she's not listening lex is really really pushing them um and finally he says we'll jump into that box car but we have to wait until the train moves out of the rail yard before we do they kind of get tricked because it looks really easy um but then will has to pick him up quote by the scruff of the neck and the seat of his pants like this is not good sterling who last we knew was like you know, struggling with, you know, illness. Like, that's the last that we knew
1: about him. It's bad. I mean, it says, then Sterling tripped. This, like, send a chill through my spine. Then Sterling tripped. He started to fall forward, and for one sickening second, Kit was afraid he'd be crushed under the wheels of the train. Yeah.
0: (sighs) Don't do this. Well, unless you really know what you're doing. I'm not trying to be, like, anti-hobo behavior, but We have this kind of, like, intense moment. Um, Kit says, did you trick us on purpose? Like, clearly, yeah. Of course. You're kind of being tricked. And then, honestly, I was absolutely shocked. Like, I was not prepared for, like, the legal encounter that ensues in this book. Um, Iconic line, Kit is given, like, a hat and, like, some basic, like, accoutrement. Put this on. I don't want them to know you're a girl.
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And what do you make of that moment, that choice? Like, what is he afraid of? So, I
0: think he already has a sense that they will be separated if Mm -hmm. there is a perception that she is a girl that needs to be kept apart at the jail, which is where they do end up. I was actually very surprised by that. I thought for certain they would push her out front as sort of a clean, like, squeaky, presenting, clearly still somewhat middle-class girl in need of protection. I was surprised by that moment, and I know that this is, like, an iconic moment in, like, the kit canon and, like, the way that people see her. I really didn't expect that. I expected her to try to, like, play up feminine qualities to be treated better
1: so i I was wrong there i didn't see that coming i almost read that moment though as like oh he knows that like she might be like abused or treated badly if they know Mm. that she's the only girl in this situation so i don't know if he did that as like a protection like you should hide in plain sight with us like i didn't really know how to read that moment
0: I think that is a very possible read. I think for him, it feels safer for them to stick together. They're immediately accused of being bums, which is something that they reject. But Kit, like, honestly, like, talk about a classic
1: American girl escalation. Like, Kit ends up in jail. I mean, (laughs) that's where I was, like, losing my mind reading this book, where I was like, wait a second, we're going to jail in this book? So I do not think it's a coincidence. Someone that you and I
0: both know from years back just came out with a book this week called This Is My Jail about the way that ordinary that's people right. who have been incarcerated have transformed the jail system in Cook County. That's by Melanie Newport, Congrats, This Is My Congrats, Melanie. Jail. Congratulations, Melanie. I think it's not a coincidence. What's fascinating is like that's a book about interplays of like sheriffs, like people who are being incarcerated this book like foreshadowed that the sheriff is like a clear like bad guy 100%. and a bad actor who kit is nonetheless able to trick which makes me wonder if val is an abolitionist like <laughs> I, who knew
1: i'm like with that i read this and i was like okay val's on the side of the angels like she's an abolitionist she's calling out the carceral state it's it's so much like the most i icon- well we'll get to it but like she so kick and will and Sterling are thrown into a cell with the other male prisoners and kids like immediately like I want my phone call like I know my rights I want my phone call and they're like well who are you gonna call like it, that gets will, shut down
0: that gets shut down and will says to her don't be afraid she says I'm not. I'm mad. We've got to get out of here. We've got to do something. Like, Kit has been, you know, contained for 18 minutes. And she's like, Of course, we have to get out of here. Wow. Something I love about these books is like circling back to things that we've learned earlier. There is a signal that Kit is given that suggests to her. And she's like, I just learned this code yesterday. I don't know the actual code. And then she remembers, like, if you pretend to be sick, Will taught her this. People will treat you better. And she immediately puts on a performance of a lifetime mm-hmm. pretending
1: to be ill in the jail. And it works. It's, it's a masterpiece performance. She's like, I need a bathroom now or like, things are about to get, <laughs> like, psycho in here. Like, you can't even handle it. Like she per like she sort of like floats a stomach bug. Like I'm not really sure if she picked like an actual ailment, but she was just like things are about to get bleak. Where's the bathroom?
0: Please, sir. I feel sick, and I like that. Like Valerie doesn't want us to think that lying is okay, even if we've been wrongfully in prison. And it's like the dinner was turning in her queasy stomach. She begs to use the bathroom, and then like actually commits a jailbreak. Like at so age ten and three months, commits a jailbreak oh, please don't let anyone see me. She prayed as she ran. Kit gets out of this. Like, Kit goes across. She finds her way home. Honest to God, I couldn't do this now without a GPS. I was going to say, like,
1: my lack of a natural sense of direction alone would have kept me probably in that jail, but also, like... She gets out by climbing up through a a small window that only a child could get through is how it's described. So that's how she's able to get out. But the part to me where I was like, this is insane, is she ends up like realizing she's on the other side of the river. She has to get back over. The only bridge is a railroad bridge. And like she's walking over a bridge that has like no, there's like no pavement. It's all just like railroad. So she has to be like walking on the ties and could fall through or off at any time and then a train comes when she's halfway over the bridge and she has to clutch this is an amazing illustration beneath her the boards rattled and bounced as if trying to toss her off into the water below kit held on for dear life oh, like so did i in that moment i'm like what <laughs> i know
0: i know she pressed her face into the splinterly oily wood and closed her eyes A howling whoosh the train pushed the air in front of it so kit is like physically feeling the force of this train that is going alongside her and now totally panicked she still has to find her way back home what i found to be so surprising in the best way possible The family rallies around Will, which I thought was really not an expected thing, because this family could have turned on him, not bailed him out whatsoever. And they look at Will, Kit, and Sterling all as children equally worthy of protection, And I thought that was a pretty astonishing moment to include in the book because I think most parents would have just blamed Will as a bad actor.
1: Yes, I think that there's goodwill kind of as a baseline throughout this book in all directions. And I think that that was a really interesting and thoughtful choice. And in some ways it reflects like, the lit out there created like if you look at stuff like the hobo archives and stuff there is a hobo museum in Iowa I've not been but I'm interested but there's like a hobo code of ethics at one point when they have like a convention and, and all of it is like to the point of like you need to treat people with respect and don't take things that aren't yours and all this stuff so it's kind of like Will is in some ways the embodiment of all of these values and I like that the parents and Mrs. Howard kind of assume the best of him at all times in both directions. But I did feel for Mrs. Howard when Kit finally makes it home and they're like, oh, my God, like, where were you? And she's like, low key, Sterling's in jail. Like, (laughs) everything is not good. And Mrs. Howard, like, doesn't pass out. And I thought she would because of how precious Sterling is to her. So, you know, credit to her. Like, she kind of held it together. But that's when we get to what, to me, is the most iconic moment in this book, which is Kit's, like, I don't need a reason moment. Like, they get into some of the border's car and go to the jail, and it says um, uh, that dad, like, um, goes in and talks to the sheriff, and he, like, gets him out of jail. Hold on, I gotta find this quote. Um, this is on page 57. Well and Sterling hurried toward Dad with grateful expressions. All three turned toward the door, but Kit held back. She stepped fully into the light so the sheriff could see her clearly. This is an iconic moment, so she's like not hiding. It's so like She's like, <laughs> hi, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. You, exclaimed the sheriff, you should be ashamed of yourself. Kit looked the sheriff straight in the eyes and spoke in a level voice. Sir, she said, I think you should be ashamed. Hopping freight trains is against the law, said the sheriff. It's my job to keep bums off trains. You don't have to be so mean about it, said Kit. The hobos haven't hurt anybody. They're just poor. There's no reason to treat them so badly. It isn't right and it isn't fair. And it's like icon status. She could have just stayed yeah, Kit- in the car.
0: Honestly, I think if I had just been thrown in jail and self-liberated, my parents would have me stay in the car. Like, that would be sure. my guess. Sure. And there, there is a moment of reckoning at the end where they're like, Kit, like, you need to not be breaking the law. And she's like, is it me or is it the law? Um, really, really surprising Will shook dad's hand. Goodbye, sir. Thanks for everything. And there's like an actual respect there. Will just kind of ends by walking west and it's like we're never gonna hear from him again, but there's genuine gratitude there. Dad then kind of has his moment on the penultimate page where he kind of like – like no one has heard from dad. Like He's dad been has MIA. been radio we don't silent for several books. Like dad is just listening to FDR on a loop. And then dad kind of comes through with something like useful. He says, Sometimes I think the toughest thing about this depression is enduring it. I hope you two understand that what you did was foolish and dangerous. I think I speak for Mrs. Howard and Mother and Aunt Millie when I say we're disappointed. We need to trust you. Do you understand? And, you know, far from being kind of a patronizing moment, they let Kit have at the sheriff, but they also kind of step back in as role models and say, like, we don't want you hopping trains again. Like, that was a fundamentally dangerous and not just a legal thing that you did. We also get a classic like Val trip ending where she's like, somebody needs to do something. And obviously
1: it's me. That was triggering to me, that ending, that line to include the line, someone should do something is triggering to me because as you may (laughs) know, that was the line I was supposed to do to deliver in my second grade play. And, you know, far from, you know, going out of the car and confronting a sheriff or an adult and taking a stand, I crawled inside my parents' dryer and hid in the laundry room when it came time to go to the performance. So. You know, I was trying to deliver that line in a play about question mark environmentalism. Never did, but it's like seeing Kit deliver that line did, I guess, empower me. Like, yes, somebody should do something. Maybe I could go back in time and deliver that line. I don't know. But I also think it's very um, wise of Val Trip to have dad basically be like, I'm disappointed in you, because that's the worst thing a parent can say. Not I'm mad at you, but like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. It's like, wow, damn.
0: It's also a moment where I think the family is realizing, like, how much their life has changed in a year plus, And, like, that dad has to borrow someone's car. Dad right. used to own a car dealership, right? How much Sad. their life has kind of, like, gone off the rails, so to speak. Like, not unlike Kit hanging on to the railroad tie <laughs> on a bridge. That, like, she really did put herself in she... serious danger. yeah. I mean, I think, and they wait to have that conversation. They don't yell at her in front yes. of the sheriff. It's like they kind of wait for Will to leave and for things to be resolved, and to also say like, "We're not cool with you running away."
1: Which is good feedback because because Kit basically at one point Will is like, "Yeah, I know like girls your age who have are who are riding the rails. Like you could do this," and she's like, "Oh, interesting." So I feel like the parents have been firm in being like, "This will not be your trajectory, thank you," because. I think the saddest thing about Will's backstory which is like he brings the dust bowl into the book like he's from Texas. Right. He describes his parents having this farm and losing the farm and the parents are going west and he set out on his own so they wouldn't have to take care of him but the fact that he's so migratory or like how are you guys ever going to reconnect ever again? Like you with your family and that that to me was like the saddest part of this book was the realization that like he's so young and he may never reconnect with his family because of the depression because of everything going on. So I'm relieved that Kit has gotten some firm boundaries at the end of this book to be like, don't do this. And I also love that Aunt Millie jumps in at the end and is like, all's well that it ends well, Shakespeare would say. And it's like, here we go again, like, with your Shakespeare. But Kit questions that. Yeah. And she questions
0: that platitude. And she says, you know, all is not well for these other people who are having this, like, very profound experience. and. Thinking all the way back to the first time Kit sees her dad in a line to get food, to get support, you know, the way that she's had interactions with people who are living a life that's different from hers, in a way, like, you need a character like Lex to kind of check Kit Mm -hmm. and to say, like, yeah, you know, um, you're visiting, this is my life, this is what I'm actually going through, and it's not something that I can choose. And I think part of the fantasy that Kit is playing out is like, what if I had the freedom of a boy? I I think that is a fundamental thread that runs through her books. Like, what if I was a boy? And I think that moment where she is told to adorn boys clothing and to pretend to be a boy is probably an impactful one for the rest of her life. Yes. Because a lot of what she wants is frankly to not
1: live as a girl. I think I, I don't think that's like, no, out of line. No, I think that's an entirely fair thing to say. And I think in that moment when she's impersonating a boy, like I think you can read some sense of liberation in that moment for her, like some satisfaction of passing so-called as a boy when they get to jail, at least initially. And I think navigating... The restrictions on her life as a girl, like the fact that Sterling can go get a job and all this stuff and Charlie's having this adventure, like that is a deep source of upset to her. But I, and I think that that's going to continue. It'll be interesting to see how that stays in the next book. But I also think it's interesting that her trajectory has been like, I want to be a writer. And I think like one of the cliches about writing is like, you should write what you know, like that will be your biggest like path to like authentic writing is to write about things with which you've had experience or knowledge And all through the books, like, I think the times when she's, like, feels really seen is in her newspaper, when she's writing about the life of the house and the people living in it. And I think that's a lesson she learned from being like, well, I'm going to the jungle because I want to have, like, manufacture an experience and, like, live this other life and then have something to write about and in everything is copy way. And Lex and others are basically like, and this is not your experience. Like, you can write about this, but it's Mm -hmm. probably not even going to be good because, you're performing. And I think that's really interesting in light of like people like Jack London and others whose work gets really romanticized when they do exactly what she was attempting to do. Like go to a place where they don't live and live as someone else. And you know, Jack London has stories about this where he like literally has fictional characters who live uptown and then have a completely fake life or secret life living downtown as like, you know, a union member worker, like fighting in the streets. And people read that as really fake now. But I mean, Jack London was doing that kind of reporting at that time, too. So I think it's kind of like Val also speaking back to like that in a way. I'm choosing to read this as a Jack London critique that's my reading.
0: Oh, I think it also is. I think in a lot of ways, you know, like we thought a lot about Ace of Base when we were covering <laughs> Josefina. Mm-hmm. And there is a line in this book where, um, you know, someone says, I saw the sign.
1: Open up my eyes. Multiple, <laughs> wow. multiple
0: times. Like we get references to that. But to think of the way that, like, Kit is essentially meeting a subculture, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how to accurately talk about a subculture or a group that you are not a part of. You know, and when we first started talking about this, I asked myself, like, is this word hobo offensive? And then, you know, like doing some research about the hieroglyphics and like people's experiences that have been recorded and just thinking of it as a subculture. Like right. a group of people who are choosing to be in community in a certain kind of way in a very specific period of time. I also think now it's like there is still so much like stigma around Shame and part of what sticks out about like this moment is how open it is, Mm -hmm. right? Like the proliferation of people doing a certain kind of thing and openly communicating about who is good to them and who isn't Mm -hmm. and like how they're going to create something. There's also another aspect, like, if you do read in all seriousness, like, the terms that they use for things, there's a lot of deep racism in there as well. Like, there are, like, unkind, like, words and shorthands that they use about people of color not because every hobo was white, but to like create a hierarchy within. Um, But this is probably one of my favorite Saves the Day books. I think Samantha Saves the Day sticks out for me just because it's like the aquatic rescue (laughs) was so good. Yes, Like I'll just like never get past that. But thinking of like all the different adventures these authors have taken us on, like this is a 10 out of 10 Gave me an excuse to read up on the creation of Glacier National Park. And like, I love a CCC moment.
1: Do you want to say anything about that?
0: (sighs) So I love that that was dropped in. And I think it also gave us an anchor to like a relief program, like a tangible relief program. I think this is one of the better written and comprehensive peeks into the past because it invites you to think about the CCC legacy Mm -hmm. in our world today. I was reading that at the time that Charlie would have been out at Glacier National Park, there was a huge amount of backlash from local union carpenters and union laborers because the CCC also undercut union labor. Mm. Like, that's a perspective that I wasn't aware of in that specific place. That said, like, the CCC is a huge part of the infrastructure of, like, the agency I work for. Like, we really wouldn't exist and wouldn't have a lot of what we have without the CCC. And that came at a real cost. Like, people left their families. They made, I was reading, like, that $30, that's still only, like, $700 today. That's, like, not a
1: lot. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, that's not a lot. I've actually really loved this book, too. It's probably one of my favorite Save the Dates because I think what about a credit to this book is like, or any book, is what it invites you to think about, even if it's outside of the plot of this book. And I think something that kind of the hobo element of this and the description of their culture in ways that maintained um, participants' dignity invited me to think about even our own times and in that time, like people who opted out of, by necessity or choice, like traditional society, and households hmm. and living in private property and all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, I think people are navigating that now in different ways, too, of like the pressures of systems that don't suit you, like rent crises, other things, and or like even family, like just everything I see now, I'm like, wow, this makes me think about something in a kit book, which is like bizarre, but true. And like, um, Samin Nosrat, who it wrote, um, fat, heat, salt, whatever that cookbook, which has, like, the best roast chicken recipe I've ever had in my life. But she posted something recently that was, like, every Tuesday she invites, like, basically chosen family to have a meal with her, like, based on things that are, like, left in her fridge at that point. And it's, like, a moment of creativity for her to, like, create something. But to share that time with people and it, like, made me think about Kit in the boarding house. But just, it's, like, there's so much on social media now that I'm, like, wow, this reminds me of Kit. Like, it's bizarre.
0: I like reading her books. I like being part of her story. And I appreciate knowing that Valerie Tripp called her mother a lot to, like, think about her life experiences and ways to kind of incorporate those in a story about the 1930s. I also appreciate, you know, for our Patreon this month, we read a book called Ancestor Trouble by Maud Newton. And there's a lot in that book about stories about the depression and the work that they do in families. And that's something that people like on our discord have been talking about a lot. And I go back and forth in my mind between there are like very particular acute struggles that people faced in the 1930s that will never happen again. Mm -hmm. And yet there's so much about it, like the rise of fascism, the prevalence of poverty that is so in our world today. And I think, like, one of the worst things this book could have done would have been to make Kit this, like, happy soldier of the Depression. Mm -hmm. Like, I love wearing crappy clothes. I love, like, having to accept a different life. Instead, she's a person who, like appreciates what other people are going through and like wants the world to be better. And I really, really love that because her life changes. And instead of just feeling for herself, like, I love the ending of this book. She's like, what would it mean if like people understood this better? Because she catches herself believing a myth about hobos, like they're young men who are just having fun. And she catches herself on that. And it's like, I love to think of Kit as a very young like FSA photographer or as a writer doing something in a really productive space, Um, you know, and I think, because this American Girl stuff is pitched toward middle class, like we know that it's middle class consumers, but starting Kit solidly middle class and watching what she does when it disappears, I think it's still very instructive.
1: I agree. And I was like thinking about, I was just listening to this Land is Your Land before we were recording because I was reading that Woody Guthrie was a hobo for a period of time, et cetera. And like reading the verses that he ultimately cut from the song that call out kind of like, The privilege of private property and like seeing people waiting in bread lines and being like basically like we live in the richest country in the world and yet here and how do we navigate this and I'm like oh my god it's like there's just so much going on in my head where I'm like this is so like resonant like what do we do with all of this and I think that's where like thinking with history can be a real gift to your life and I really feel that way about these books it's really done that for me
0: by the time that we put this out, it's possible that we'll know the next American girls that are coming out, but there are rumors that they are girls of, like, the very recent past who have a Book It Pizza Hut, like, (laughs) club card. So that's also, like, another interesting possibility, right? Like, we've discussed along the way, in, in a variety of ways, like, Kit doesn't lend herself to the same amount of, like, consumerist moments as a Samantha or even a Felicity, and yet I think that's what makes Kit, like, all the more special. I cannot afford to buy her hobo outfits secondhand, which I think says Yikes. something fascinating about American culture, but I'm happy for you, Kit. Like, I've loved following along and I think it's not a coincidence she inspired the best parody account to blow up during Elon game.
1: So honestly, that person's a hero. If you're listening, that filled me with so much joy. Like, you know, somebody had to, somebody had to say it, and you did the important work. And thank you for that. <laughs> and also, I want to give a shout out to our listener Peyton, who recently wrote a piece that they shared on our Discord about kind of the brand's decision to partner with JK Rowling and Harry Potter. And I think that's also a really important kind of like thing to seek out. So I just want to kind of highlight as we are, the people out here doing some really important work of like putting American Girl in context with things happening right now. So their piece was really powerful about kind of like why it's destructive for them to have made this decision. Um, and so we'll we'll share that out. Um, and mm-hmm. it's really cool. So congrats Peyton.
0: You can also catch Peyton and their work on Joe's Boys, which is a podcast. And Mary, if people want to talk about, anything related to Louisa May
1: Alcott wow. or anything related to Kit Kittredge, Aunt Millie? Where should they find you? Um, Yes. I mean, I would actually love sometime to have a meetup at Orchard House, which may have already happened with one of the meetup groups. But I love Louisa May Alcott's house, like iconic history of the house itself. Beautiful. Find me on Instagram at Mimi Mahoney. I'll talk about these and other things. Um, I'm on Twitter at Mary Mahoney123, but like, honestly, Twitter is like freaking me out now. So I'm not really there a lot. (laughs) Allison, where should people find you? I am tenaciously
0: clinging to the Twitter account I have had since 2009, and you will have to absolutely like push me off with my last breath. Okay. I'm at Allison Horrocks on Twitter as well as on Instagram. We also invite you to follow the show. We are on Twitter and Instagram as Dolls Lives Pod or Dolls of Their Lives Podcast. On both of those, we have a link tree where you can find additional links to everything else head on over to our website. You can find our phone number, our PO box, whatever is of interest to you. All of that, again, is in American English, not in American
1: hobo hieroglyphs. Sadly, that business Sadly. got shut down. But you know, maybe someday. Who can say? Yeah, they weren't ready. They're like, you know. We need to make a symbol that means, like, loves American girl or understands American girl. I think they're too deep in the
0: pocket of, like, big train to understand big train, what we are big doing doll.
1: here who can say big
0: train and big doll have conspired to keep us from making this hieroglyphics business a success.
1: But I think that our listeners would support us. Let us know. Thanks everyone. Thanks for everything. We will see you on our next episode.